This is truly amazing. A portable television studio. No wonder your president has to be an actor. He's got to look good on television. Whoa, this is it. This is the part coming up, Doc. No, 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 no. This sucker's electrical. But I need a nuclear reaction to, to generate the 1.21 gigawatts of electricity. What did I just say? The flux capacitor stores... <laughs> this sucker's electrical. But I need a nuclear reaction to, to generate the 1.21 gigawatts of electricity. 1.21 gigawatts! 1.21 gigawatts! Please! Welcome to Is It Really, the radio program that challenges popular opinions about movies. I'm Doc Sharp. I'm Zach McFly. And I'm Myth. (laughs) 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 No second take necessary. Nailed it. Myth. And I'm I'm Myth. And tonight we're watching Back to the Future and asking, do we need roads? Mitch? Why don't you give us the synopsis for Back to the Future? Yes. Marty McFly's a skateboarding, guitar-playing dude, but no McFly ever amounted to anything in Hill Valley. After using his mentor's DeLorean to escape certain death, Marty finds that he has gone back in time. Now the clock's ticking. Will Marty get back to the future before it's too late? Well, we've decided to center the discussion of this episode around the first Back to the Future. Why do you feel like we made that choice? What are some things that maybe made us stay away from the the second and third movie? Well, first of all, I want to say, like, we're all probably leaning in like the first one's the best. You know, it's a great, great movie. But I have a lot of love and affection in my heart for all three. I had the box set that I got from a garage sale and I I would watch all three all the time. And three, honestly, was my favorite of the trilogy for a long time. And then, you know, you grow up and... And learn to be a man, but three was my favorite. Well, I'd never seen any of these movies until I was an adult and I was at Mitch's house playing a game and they put the first one on as background music and I was just kind of watching the movie and getting caught up in it like this is really good and you know people were getting mad because I was missing my turns and they're like come on you've seen this right and I was like oh yeah yeah but I remember watching it and at the end just being like wow that was such a fun movie and like immediately going to the Best Buy and buying the trilogy because people always talk about the trilogy almost as one whole thing like you got the whole back to the future trilogy and then i watched it i'm gonna say something controversial i think the second one is garbage i hate the second movie and i think the third one is pretty good so i mean it's just the first one is absolutely the best movie i'm gonna go ahead and leave the room no i'm kidding (laughs) i'm gonna first say that i have a very slight relationship with back to future two and three i've seen them Mm. but it's been quite a while which is the one where they're cowboys? Three. Three. The masterpiece. Which is the one where he goes, it, it's like into the, like way into the future. The one that's a mess too. Okay, so the, one, the best thing about Back to the Future 2 is the awesome shoes that he wears. Yeah, it, again oh, though. Oh, heck yeah. The hoverboards, the oh. giant 3D holographic shark. When I, watch, uh, when I watch that movie though too, 
I was like, this is the guy who directed Forrest Gump, and he's doing this in the future. Of like, look how amazing what? everything is. This look is how not, talking about. This is not a this time is some for hot that. nonsense. Me, that no, you're it's dropping. not. No, it's not. You're gonna, you're gonna no, get me hot not. to trot again. No, it's not. Here's the thing. The first because Back to the Future one is a tight movie where there it's going the whole time like there's not a lot of fluff there's not a lot of fat whereas the second movie the entire like first 30 minutes of isn't the future gonna be cool look at all of this stuff and all this noise which was essentially i'm like this is what robert zemeckis does he's like look at my cool animation i have in movies look at forrest gump meeting all of these people look at joseph gordon levitt walking on this, this, wire. this, like, is, this is nonsense this is, that's what one does it's too it nonsense. places you in the world you show up you're you know enter Sandman by Metallica starts playing and you're like oh cool look he's he's in the world of the 50s that's what one does that's what two does that's what three does but you have to take time goes, to place yourself two goes hard into it because they're like here's our budget here's all of our money that we're blowing on this let's really make it all count right here yeah I mean no one is gonna disagree that one is the best obviously obviously but I feel like two is, is good too. I've like the way it folds in on itself. I think you don't have, and we're going to talk about other time travel movies in this episode. I don't think you have movies like Looper and stuff like that. And, and Avengers Endgame uh, without, you know, this movie crawling. So those could run the whole, like, you know, going back and reshooting scenes from the first, you know, it, some of that is cool. I don't love two, but you know, I will say that, that back to the future, the franchise, really became like the standard right as far as time travel and then kind of movies branching off of that oh yeah it, it I, really laid the foundation i feel like one laid plenty of foundation for all there was enough to go around at that point but i do agree going back and quote unquote reshooting scenes that would have happened from like the first movie to make them play for uh, later movies like they did in endgame that's a great mm -hmm. point that's something that doesn't happen at all in one. There are other things I like about two as well. I really think it's the weakest of the franchise. Like, but like if I had to close my eyes and you put a gun to my head and said, name like an iconic movie object from the back to the future franchise. Like it'd be like a uh, DeLorean hoverboard, uh, sports almanac, two of those three are from two, you know, like it has some of the things I remember from the franchise. It's just like gloomy and it looks like a blade runner esque dystopia in some places and it's depressing it's it's not back to the future for me back to the future is fun and uplifting so uh. but but again to me stuff does not a good movie make like being able to name different items that are in a movie doesn't make the movie good. I mean, it's, you it know, it makes it good. memorable though. That's all I'm saying. It's memorable. Sure. sure. The world is something that I think capture the imagination. I mean, a lot of people like to play the game. I'm like, eh, what things did it get right? What things did it get wrong? I don't think we would do that if it were not a memorable world and the things they were supposing might happen in the future. Yeah, there's something to love in all of them. I don't feel like we should toss them out like garbage. Yeah, I mean, I want to throw in my hat in the ring for three. My favorite as a kid, Thomas Wilson, the guy who plays Biff. When he's this dumb as dirt, like cowboy in three, I feel like that's the best he ever got to be. Cause I feel like he's really, really underappreciated in these movies. He's a great utility player. They finally get him out of the old man makeup and they let him shine. Like, I really like his role in three. I feel like three has the only compelling love story of the franchise, where in one, it's like 
George yeah. McFly is a sex offender, and I, I'm not ever going to be on his side. <laughs> At least three is some grown-ups who are, you know, it's the power of love. I, I like the romance in three. I, I think my thing with three, though, is like, I think it's a fun idea. Like, we have the time machine. Let's go way back in time. There's a little more to play with. And is that I don't think it's as aggressive or as loud as two. You know, you know what I mean? I think two has more volume. It's got the more stuff going on. So for me watching three, I was like, this is definitely better. But for me, it was it was a little more uh, I don't even want to say boring because that feels like it like cuts it down because I don't think it's boring. It just, you know, was yeah. a little unmemorable to me. It's a little saccharine to me. It's a little sentimental uh, sure. in a way that the other movies aren't. But I like that. You know, sometimes I want some sugar. Back to the Future has some problematic issues. I think we can all agree with that. What? There are a few things that don't quite hold up. What are some things that stood out to you guys? For me, it was <laughs> the fact that violence in these movies seems to be, it seems oh, to make men for sure. the coolest people ever. Like yes. Marty gets all the girls in the fifties looking at him when he punches Biff in the face and George McFly earns the love of his wife by punching Biff in the face. And I mean, they do make Biff out to be like the devil in the first movie. But <laughs> that being said, like every time someone gets into a physical fight in these movies, they're the coolest people ever. Yeah, when George pops Biff, yeah. I wrote in my notes, Lorraine, clearly aroused by violence, looks lovingly <laughs> into George's eyes while Marty watches proudly. What are we watching here? <laughs> right. She did do a quick turnaround on George yeah. after he was throwing a punch. I don't know, though. I feel like Biff was mildly unwatchable, super cringy for me. He's the devil. In the first, I mean, he's definitely getting <laughs> he's ready devil. to rape Lorraine yeah. in that scene. And I look, I have no, basically if you sexually assault people, like the lowest corner of hell is for you. That being said, All though, right. we're like, getting into it. Okay. <laughs> that being said, though, early when Marty just like kind of punches the guy for no reason, when he could have just kind of ran out of there, it's literally there so that like Lorraine will be attracted to him. I don't agree with that. I think really there's four guys. <laughs> How would I run away with four? They're going to grab me. He takes a cheap shot. He, but he says, I think look it's over weird there, that Lorraine, all four of them. Every, he, literally every scene with Lorraine in this movie, by the way, she begins her dialogue with <laughs> like a moan <laughs> whenever she's talking to Marty. But yeah, I, I don't think he was punching to look hot there. I think he was punching to run away. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that either, but the movie is because he punches him and then just kind of pushes the other four guys over. So I'm like, okay, like... It, if we're going to go with like, he had to punch him to get away. Like it's supposed he's, he's supposed to look Michael cool. Michael J. In Fox that is three foot tall. Yeah. And there were four of them. If, yeah. if he were able to just squirrel his way out of there without doing something, I would have been like, this is a weird movie. Yet what are we watching? He can just push the other three guys over though. I really feel like what it's doing here is showing uh, this is what someone standing up for themselves looks like. I feel like right. if he were to run away, it would be another version of what his dad has been doing this whole time. I think mm -hmm. they really put their shoulder into George McFly as a pushover. He's a sure. wimp. He's sure. weak. He doesn't stand up for himself. He gets walked all over. I think they yes. really they really do a lot of that, maybe even ham handedly so they can just be like, oh, well, here's how it looks when 
when someone stands up for themselves. Which allows know? Lorraine to later give us the iconic, I think a man should be strong, you know, four foot tall Michael J. Fox. <laughs> right. <laughs> George is kind of uh, cute in a greasy, shaky, creepy way. I'm like, how is he cute at all, Lorraine? He's a peeping Tom. I'm sorry. I'm not going to let that go. It really bothers <laughs> me that the movie moves on so quickly. The uh, in the tree, right? With the binoculars. Yeah. Can you imagine going back in time to the past and finding out that your father is a literal sex offender within minutes? Like I, I would be devastated for, for life. I, the movie just moves on. He's it, does, a, it does. Yeah. Oh, it does. shucks. He's eating much alone. We feel bad for George, don't we? I don't. Oh, my goodness. I, I feel like there are quite a few cartoon characters in this movie. Also, the Libyans. Oh my god! The, uh, <laughs> oh no! No, 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 no! The Libyan terrorists who drive a VW bus like the Teenage oh, Mutant Ninja Turtles for some reason. Yeah, and the, have rocket launchers in their car. Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> they're going to the mall. The the hillbilly family that Marty comes across when he crashes his car. It was silly. It was silly. Yeah, what in tarnation is happening yeah, here? He spits out some tobacco. Yeah. <laughs> This is this might sound like a knock on the movie, and I really don't mean for it to be. I think every character in the movie is kind of a cartoon character, so for that reason, oh, yeah. I kind of don't really care that much, like because sure. every character is so over the top, and every character is at that level that I'm like, well, this is just the movie. Like I'm judging it on yeah. the merits of what the movie is. It's kind of amazing. Like I wanted to bring this up if like we ever talked about like how many people think this movie is perfect. And I'm kind of in that camp. I love it. I can watch yeah. it anytime. I love this movie. Yes. But like Marty has no real defining character. Like he's just like a cool guy. He doesn't learn anything. It's weird that it works as well as it does because he's totally static. I think in the sequels, they're actually doing some work to like, all right, let's make him have an anger problem. And Doc, uh, let's give him a romance. You know, that's what I was going to say is that they retroactively in the third movie make it that his issue is that he can't walk away from confrontation. Like it they seems, do that in two yeah. as well. Yeah. He, I don't remember. It's the, <laughs> yeah. It's the yellow thing. He doesn't like being called yellow. Yeah. Yeah. Because everyone in 2016 is calling each other yellow. Everyone in 2049, Back to the Future Redux. I'm sorry, that, it really looks like Blade Runner to me. It's weird that we don't talk about that in, in society. Anyways. So the scene between Marty and his mother in 1955. Which one? Which of the many times when Lorraine let's, is trying to sleep with her son? Let's talk about the... Well, actually, now that you say that, that's a great point. The, the, one in the, the scene in the car is, a, is another one that's equally cringy but the first one i'm talking mainly about the first one when he wakes up yes yeah 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 the weird thing is that it didn't bother me as much as i thought that it would because i was like you know someone wrote the story like like this is like a thing that's in the movie to make it feel like horrific and scary for the audience my issue is how lorraine is written as just a character who wants to throw herself at this guy she knows nothing about yeah, like, and hold on, just, hold on. Oedipus is a tragedy. Yeah. This is hilarious hijinks. Oh, yeah, gosh. Sure, she wants sure. to sleep with her son. Wink. Sure, but I'm saying, like, the movie doesn't play the incest as just, like, you know, like, wouldn't this be cool? Like, they play it as, like, this is this is bad. It's a problem. My big issue, though, is that, like, again, Lorraine is not a character to the point where she's just, like, man-hungry the whole movie. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Marty's like girlfriend my, too, by the way. That's yeah, my it's bigger like, issue. I'm sure she has a, a characteristic other than loving and supporting Marty, but sure. we won't find that out. 
now that you bring it up, the the scene in the car when she, you know, she pulls out the whiskey and then she's lighting up a cig, and I'm just like, you know, whatever about it's how you 50s. feel, how you yeah, feel right. about these things, whatever. whatever. But it's just like, goodness gracious, like what's next? And then she's basically admitting that you know things could go all the way tonight if it works out the you know the right way for you. Not and tonight. In the next three or four minutes, it was heading that direction. <laughs> right. Yeah, again, she's not a character. <laughs> yeah, not thing. so much. Yeah. Not so much. It's well, messy. That's it's my biggest. Messy. That's my bigger issue with that. Because again, I get from a writing standpoint, Mitch, you said it's it's played for laughs, which again, like it's a you know it's an idea that definitely makes the movie. There's more like tension in the movie, and it's a little like creepier. And there's kind of something about it that's which, as a viewer, you you want all that in in a movie is to, well, you know, feel all the things. Movies in the 80s could kind of do some of these things and I'm not saying like fondly man, I wish we had more you know, blatant sexism and incest <laughs> in our movies today. <laughs> Please do not hear right. that. Oh my. I guess what I'm saying though is you know, there's a tension there that is taboo and I I kind of enjoy that about these movies, like the relationship between Doc and Marty, for example. Sure. Like, in the eyes of a 2020 dude, I'm like, yeah, it's weird that a man who's 30 years older than this guy is best friends with a high school student. That's that's odd, right? But <laughs> I don't, I don't want to delve into that. And I think the movie does a good enough job of establishing their relationship in scenes that I don't need to know what happened before. I don't need to know the nature of their relationship. It works for me where if this came out in 2020, I feel like we would be more like, no, stop. Tell me more. Uh, so I, I appreciate that. I don't know. These, these older movies, there's kind of a just get on board. This is what the movie is. Right. The friendship didn't bother me really at all. I thought it was presented well and I'm get, I'm just trying to picture like what doc would have been like, maybe yeah. as far as like the townsfolk go, like how they would have viewed him probably a bit of an outcast probably wouldn't really have anyone his age or, you know, any friends at all. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm betting there's a curious kid coming around. He befriends him. Also, if we kind of follow along with the rules of the time travel, he would have known who Marty is and would have had an opportunity to befriend him. And you see when he tells Marty about the date, it was like whatever, November something, 1955. Mm -hmm. And he goes, the, the day I invented time travel or whatever, the day I discovered it or something. He says something like that. And he has like a twinkle in his eye and there's like recognition there. And he looks at Marty and he doesn't really elaborate. But you can tell there is something there. He's like, there's something I, I would love to tell you, but I don't feel like I can. Right. You know, not right. wanting to break his own mm -hmm. rules. I think there there is something That's more that would fun have maybe to me than any other yeah. explanation. Yeah. Sure. So I feel like there's something there would have drawn him and maybe he was the catalyst to their friendship. But I feel like, you know, he knows Marty. He's someone he can talk to. No one else. He could, you know, really talk about this stuff. Yeah, um, with that scene at the end where he says that it's going to be very hard to wait 30 years to talk to someone about this with like that makes me cry every time. Yeah. 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 They obviously love each other. Yeah. We, we were talking about themes uh, in the movie. And one of the themes that I thought was most interesting, and I'd be curious to hear how you guys felt this was explored in the movies watching it this time. I was really struck about like, what if I were 16 and I could go back in time and hang out with my dad before he was my dad, like hang out with my dad when he was 16. And like, yeah. I thought that that was kind of a cool idea or like, what if I could go back and, you know, see my parents fall in love before they are the people 
who I know them as today. And I remember thinking that, and I don't know if the movie quite <laughs> worked for me in that context. I don't know what, what you guys think. I about think that. the movie actually points out some great things is like, you know, people are, we're, we're, you know, we're all humans. We all right. make mistakes. We all let people down. There's a reason your kids don't know you when you're making the largest amount of your mistakes. You know, like yeah. in your teen years, <laughs> sure, in your twenties, sure. you're making the lion's share of your mistakes. Then, anyway, that I feel like when you start having kids, you tighten things up. You're a better person. You become better. You know, I at least like you try to. At least you try to. It's the opposite, though. I feel like the movie's like right in your youth. You have dreams. When you're an adult, those dreams have either come to fruition or they're dead. Because, like, the Marty's parents are at their worst at the beginning of the movie. She's an alcoholic, where I think it, it frames youth in a more positive light. And it frames maturity as something to dread, something to be avoided, the clock ticking out. I guess I was speaking a little bit more on a molecular level, like uh, discovering his dad likes to sit in trees with binoculars and discovering his mom <laughs> has no problem, like grabbing his leg the first time, you know, she meets him and just different little stuff like that. I think I would be more of a, like a detailed approach with that. Uh, the um, leg that shares her DNA that she's grabbing under the dinner table. Gracious. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> can't, I can't. Oh yeah, that's that's always been like a prominent theme for me. It's it's seeing your parents as people. It's realizing people are people in any time period. The fifties is is portrayed very much as like Camelot, like in, in the beginning of like this is how great things used to be. It's a very Ronald Reagan movie to me where it's like look how great things used to be uh, <laughs> but i love that the movie you know pokes fun and pokes holes and sees ah, oh, well just kidding actually we've always been the way we are and the cycle will continue we're just people yeah and that being said the ending of this film is something that i've always thought about because or it's something that i always think i'm gonna think about and then i watch the movie and i don't because to me when i'm kind of thinking about the movie having not watched it in my mind, it seems more like Marty goes back in time and does a bunch of stuff to fix his life. You know what I mean? To make his life better today. And he really doesn't. He just kind of, you know, gets his dad to stand up for himself and to believe in himself and to kind of, you know, to go out there and to, you know, kind of try. And as a result, like it was just someone like kind of lifting his dad up and encouraging him that made all the difference. So I think I think there's something kind of beautiful about that. And when I watch the movie, it doesn't feel like an issue. I think if, you know, Marty went back in time and was like, hey, do do all this and do all that and do all that with like selfish motive in mind, because we know his motive is to get home in this movie. He's not back there to fix his his present it's kind of like at the end a nice little surprise like whoa my life is incredible now and my parents love each other <laughs> awesome yeah marty isn't someone who i would describe as having desires or goals at the beginning of the movie <laughs> he kind of just stumbles into situations so right. yeah it is a pleasant surprise at the end that his life has suddenly improved right we're asking tonight is do we need roads which that sounds a little vague little indescript a little clickbaity i feel oh. yes and I, and I feel like a little explanation is needed here um i think we're mainly wanting to focus on the time travel element this is the standard as far as 
time travel movies go. This is the one that all other time travel movies were birthed from. And I feel like there are different theories, different ideas used. And, you know, as the movies kept, you know, the genre kept growing, different ideas were introduced. How do you guys feel about more of a blueprint to the time travel element, like clear rules, definition, we know exactly how, you know, how things work, or do you like it a little more loosey goosey? Like things don't, you know, they can make sense if they need to, if not, it's fine. What, you know, what's your guys' thought on just time travel and movies in general? My thing is, I feel like time travel movies are a form of wish fulfillment, right? It's like Jack and the Beanstalk. What if something cool happened to me and it changed my life, right? That's when time travel movies are, are at their best. When I feel bogged down in rules and limitations and logic, that can be like interesting intellectually, I guess, but yeah. it usually detracts from the movie. Yeah. Like a great example of that, for, I feel like, is like the photograph in this movie, right? There's no logical reason for the photo to work the way it does, for it to slowly fade mm -hmm. out. Like the minute Marty pushes his dad out of the way of the car, he should cease to exist right if we were following logical rules mm -hmm. you know rather than like this slowly fading my hand is slowly fading for some reason i don't remember how to play a g chord <laughs> at the dance <laughs> like it's not about logic it's about the narrative uh, it's yes. giving that sense of we're moving towards him going away we're moving further away from him being erased so that gives tension and that's interesting to watch yeah, when you were saying earlier that Back to the Future is a foundational movie for time travel, I think another one in a different vein is the Terminator movies, whereas yeah. mm. the first two Terminator movies aren't about how you do time travel, it's about what you do with time travel. And those movies are more interesting to me. Like, um, as a big Star Wars fan, you know, there's people who always kind of want to talk about, like, this guy's from this planet, which means he can do X, Y, and Z. That's not the most interesting stuff to me. Like, I don't, rules aren't interesting to me. So movies that kind of get tied down on here are the rules of time travel here's how you do this like I get for some people that's very entertaining and that's what they want to watch and that's awesome for me I like more characters on adventures mm -hmm. doing doing those are more the movies that I I tend to enjoy yeah mm. I think I'm somewhere in the middle here I love a, obviously I love a good narrative and you have to make it work whatever you're doing whatever yeah. choice you're making with time travel and the rules you're deciding to follow you have to make it work for your movie absolutely like if you are sitting there giving a science lesson on on time travel or whatever the whatever the science would be for that exactly it, it would be a terrible movie yeah um yeah. But I, I feel like but there there's is plenty a of movies way that I feel that do that also. <laughs> there is a way to explore maybe some of the different potential rules in time travel and still tell a good story. You know, I think about like, so yeah. what does Back to the Future do? It pretty much says time lives in a vacuum or events live in a vacuum. You can basically go back. Yeah change one thing it it would only affect a tight group of circumstances or events around that like you're not you're not really changing much else you know all he has to do is kind of get his mom and dad back into like a general direction and everything seems to be you know sorting it out where like a movie like butterfly effect for instance <laughs> which not yeah. a great movie not great, but it, it kind of explores the idea that one little change could affect 
just a, a vast number of, you know, changes and it, it would just kind of like web out exponentially. And I, so, so I do get, I do like getting a little bogged down sometimes in some circumstances with that. I think those for me, just like my personal opinion on movies like butterfly effect, they feel stupid though, because it's so focused on the causality of like, you know, if one little thing were different than all, all these changes they would occur, the worlds don't feel different enough to me then if if you really considered the infinite amount of changes that would occur you know because of a butterfly flapping its wings it's not like i'd be a little bit more goth in college than of a a nerd it would be like china doesn't exist like it would be big drastic things so these movies that focus on the cause and effect feel just stupid to me yeah and, and and there's sometimes in movies where i like you know kind of at the end of a time travel movie where you can kind of go back and see stuff that adds up but not when it's like here pull on this thread and see what happens like one of my favorite time travel movies is a uh, looper and yeah. you know the whole premise of that movie is time travel doesn't exist in our world but 30 years in the future it does so all we know is there's a guy from the future who's running stuff we go to this field at this time we shoot somebody end of story and like in the movie like there's even that scene where jgl is trying to figure it out and bruce willis just says i don't want to talk about time travel because then we'll be here all day making diagrams with straws and i was like perfect because i don't want to do that either but the movie also has a kind of an interesting throwaway line where bruce willis is talking about the rainmaker and he says in the stories, he has a synthetic. Uh, in the stories, he has a synthetic jaw. Saw his mom get shot, stuff like that. And then at the end of the movie, the kid in Bruce Willis's world grows up to become the Rainmaker. He gets shot in the jaw, and like almost he says, "Mom gets shot." So you can kind of look at that and go, "Oh, was you know was it Bruce Willis the whole time who did that?" But again, right. that's not the crux of the movie. The movie is about this character of Joe. That's a great point. I feel like another big part of the fun of time travel movies is setups and payoffs. Right. Right. Like back to the future. I think there's no time travel movie that has quite as many and doesn't like, sure. It's, I remember when this was farmland, we see the farm later, like the car looks like a spaceship. So they think he's an alien. Like there's so many little things that pay are paid off so well and so quickly. And some of them are really subtle. I didn't even realize until this time, twin pines mall becomes lone pine mall. You know, like (laughs) there's like tons of little things like that. That's part of the fun, right? That's something I enjoy about time travel movies. I'm also reminded of a movie like kind of the biggest science lesson of all, which is Avengers Endgame. Mm, we, oh boy, wolf, wolf, wolf. We, we get <laughs> we get the biggest time travel science wow, lesson wow. that we've ever gotten with this movie, and it is it's mm. it's a it's a little mind numbing when they they really get hung up on some of the minutia, and I feel like. Uh. Even though I love the it's movie, so I love painful. I love Avengers Endgame. I love it. I like it too. I hate all the time travel yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's but so it, it, bad. It's a little also like because we're you know everyone thinks uh, time travel works like Back to the Future works, and I think that's funny because th- that just shows even more that that is the movie that really explored time travel. This is the movie that started everything that all these other movies built their stories around. Zach, you set it up perfectly. Looper is exactly what I want, which is a throwaway line that says, I don't want to talk about time travel. Avengers Endgame is exactly what I don't want, which is a 10 minute monologue about the logistics of time travel. Yep. And, and here's the thing, like, you know what I wrote down in my notes frequently when I was watching back to the future, 
I'm having what did so you write much down fun in your notes. I wrote, I'm okay. having so yes. much fun over yes. and over again. Yeah. I was like, yes. I'm having the time of my life. I was like, I've seen this movie a few times still every time at the end when everything is going wrong to get the DeLorean to go back in time. I'm still oh on the gosh, edge of my perfect. seat. Like I'm it's perfect. I'm still like, and I know how it ends and I'm, it's one of my favorite endings in a movie and I'm still like super tense. And that's what I like. And I, again, that's why I don't really care for back to the future part two. Cause it gets more into here's how the time travel works and here's that like it feels like you know someone who's telling me about something that i don't want to hear for a long time it's just you know like yeah there's cool stuff but i don't care i just i just want to have some fun like come on man can i just say the end clock tower scene is what perfectly sums up what i'm talking about where like it's about the narrative and it's not about the logistics right sure the ledge crumbles the tree falls the car won't start the plugs on the cord come unplugged one time it comes unplugged again on on the other end right and like if the world were set up logically and it's about following an internal structure of rules this would be super annoying to me but zemeckis makes the world broad and jocular so it's like of course the everything has to go wrong because it's not about what would actually happen it's about what's the most satisfying narrative thing to happen right what's the funniest thing that could happen right which is why the the sequels are less interesting when they go back in time to those exact moments and you know now they're they're played differently it's like i got i got this once and it was fun and it was suspenseful and i enjoyed it i don't need well this. two you're talking about two, two but yeah, yeah I'm not three yeah. yeah but two really i was like no i'm not interested no thank you the other thing I'll say about time travel too is like to nerd out a little bit. There's kind of like two schools of thought that are big and I want everyone to go watch devs on Hulu. I keep bringing oh. it up in every episode because devs is all about determinism, right? right. And determinism, determinism is the idea that we, what can happen, will happen, must happen. It has already happened. All things are happening at once, right? Like there is no free will. And that's what that entire show is like any movie where there's a cause and effect to time travel does not operate in that world. It operates in a world where the minute you go back and push your dad out of the way, kind of what you're talking about, Brandon, where you're creating an event that creates a new reality, you've created an alternate world, right? Mm -hmm. So I really like the nerdiness of like, you know, the alternate world theory of like, actually, these aren't Marty's parents anymore because he's right. changed the fabric right. of reality. It's an alternate world. And in alternate worlds, everything can happen and will happen. I've also been watching The Flash this week where there's a whole <laughs> bunch of worlds. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I'm interested by that. I'm interested by like the, t- the deterministic worldview versus the paradoxes that occur in the many worlds view. Yeah. And again, I feel like when you have a time travel franchise, it's so easy for it to go wrong. I know we talked about The Godfather last week and how I'd never seen three. Well, I'm about to say something about Terminator. I've only seen one and two because I heard three, four, five, six, seven in the TV show. I don't know how many there are that they're all bad. But the thing I hear is that like, oh, they just keep messing with the, the time travel element. And I I don't know that time travel <laughs> lends itself to franchises super well. Yeah, because I think I think the main reason is because it's not real. It's not something it's not it's not something I feel like there's no rules. There's there are no rules. You can make up anything you want. It it, when we're talking about racing movies there, you know, Fast and the Furious, like, well, there's there's going to be time travel there, there soon enough. There's a very shaky uh, relationship with the rules in that also. But 
at least we're not <laughs> discussing the different things that could happen with with time travel. You know, like there there is a very standard set of rules when you're talking about action movies. I think the thing that I like about the Back to the Future focus is it's not about fixing something. It's not about revamping something. It's not about giving additional color to something. It's just about the ethics of your identity. It's like, if we can change time, how does that affect our lives? How does that affect the world? Yeah. Everything right. we do, there's a moral <laughs> risk to it. Our actions are weighted. Those are interesting ideas that can be explored with open palms if we don't take the time travel stuff too seriously. And that's what Back to the Future, I think, does really, really well. Back to the Future, based on Oedipus Rex by Sophocles, isn't a serious movie. Doc Brown isn't a serious scientist. Just look how he's dressed. He looks like what idiots think scientists look like. We're made to believe the man who discovered time travel is proud of an experiment where he sets all his clocks to the wrong time? He's just a daffy inventor man. A silly billy. A bit of a kook who can't even pronounce gigawatt correctly. Even the flux capacitor is just three LEDs in a Y shape. You know why? It doesn't have to be realistic. It just has to sound cool. That's why in every episode of Star Trek, Scotty shouts, I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. The antimatter tanks are at max capacity, but maybe we can reverse the polarity of the quantum regulator. Nobody cares, Dotson. We like it. We love it. We want more of it. You want serious science? Go learn about pH balances at your local community college. You want a good movie? Spray a DeLorean down with some liquid nitrogen, light some flame trails like a pyro, and call it a day. You know, when discussing craft, it's often said you've got to learn the rules so you can learn to break them. There's no better teacher of that than a movie like Back to the Future. It's tight, it's clever, it's stuffed with memorable setups and payoffs. It's got one of the greatest soundtracks of all time, amazing performances by Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd. It's the full package. And don't get me wrong, there are plenty of great movies that take the mechanics of time travel more seriously. Looper and Primer come to mind, but those movies have a completely different tone. Back to the Future's a romp, and if there's one thing we all know about romps, they're supposed to be fun. When you're on a road trip and you're not driving, what do you notice? You look at the scenery, other cars, billboards, etc. You, the passenger, only really look at the literal road if something is wrong. Now let's talk about movies. Some people want movies to check off a certain amount of boxes and follow all the rules. Here's the thing. I don't care. I don't watch movies to see rules being followed. I want either a great story, great characters, or great dialogue. Sometimes you get two of those, but if you're really lucky, you get all three. The first Back to the Future has all three, and then some. The sequels, mainly Back to the Future Part 2, disinterest me because they focus on the rules of time travel and are really boring. And lame. The interesting dialogue, characters, and stories all take a back seat so that they can focus on the rudiments of going back in time. Rudiments. I just said the word rudiments. When are rudiments fun? When is looking at the literal road on a road trip fun? Give me beautiful scenery on the country road. I don't want to look at the asphalt of the road. So do we need roads? Yeah, but we don't have to notice them. 
Science fiction is one of the most exciting and inexhaustible genres in all of film. It's based on theories and ideas that light up the dreams of kids and adults alike. Back to the Future, along with a handful of other titles, makes up the bedrock of the sci-fi film genre, and it is the granddaddy of time travel movies. Now, roads come in all shapes and sizes. Some are four-lane highways with very clear speed limits and boundaries. Some go through neighborhoods and enforce lower speeds, and some are dirt roads out in the country with no rules. You can go as fast as you want as long as you can avoid the potholes. Sci-fi is kind of the same way. At the risk of getting sucked into one of those potholes myself, I'll end the analogy with this. Back to the Future is able to put the pedal down on a backcountry road with its hair blowing in the wind and Huey Lewis and the news cranked on the radio, and is able to avoid every pothole at the same time. Joining us for our episode on Back to the Future. We hope you enjoyed yourselves. We would love to hear your opinion on our episodes or any other movie-related topic. So if you haven't already, hop on over to our Facebook page and join the conversation. We can be found at Real Boys Podcasts. And don't forget, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a little spare time and you like what you hear, we would love it if you would take a minute to rate and review our podcast. We appreciate your support. We will be back in two weeks with our episode on the cultural icon, Jurassic Park. We'll see you then.